it was the taxi driver's first day on the job, and his total concentration was on getting through the heavy rush hour traffic of New York City. His passenger wanted to get his attention, so he leaned forward and tapped the driver on the shoulder. And then the driver jerked, and he screamed, and he lost control of the cab. He nearly hit a bus, he veered onto the sidewalk, and he stopped just inches from a large plate glass window. After a few moments of stunned silence, the taxi driver asked, Are you okay? I'm sorry, but you scared me to death. The shaken passenger said, I didn't realize a tap on the shoulder would be so startling. The driver replied, You don't understand. It's my first day driving a cab, but for the last 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. Needless to say, a hearse driver would have a good reason to be frightened by a tap on the shoulder from the back of the vehicle. Most of us experience fear in other ways, of course. However, it comes to us, though, fear always provokes a reaction. And when we are afraid, we can react or overreact in powerful and even destructive ways. Fear can cause physical symptoms in our body, such as a racing heart or higher blood pressure. We might break out in a cold sweat. Fear can turn into panic. And when we panic, we don't think rationally. The cab driver certainly didn't. And in the worst case situations, panic even can cause us to betray our own principles. People who are in panic may lie or cheat or steal. Panic can cause us to abandon our friends and even our faith in God. Because when we panic, our only goal is to try to escape from the source of our fear. As we all know, I'm, I'm not just talking about some abstract principle. Fear is very present in our world right now because the coronavirus pandemic has come upon us suddenly and it's grown rapidly. No nation was ready for this. No health system, no economy was prepared for this. And the entire world is reeling from the effects. It's no surprise that many people are responding with fear. It's no surprise that many people feel panic. And in times like these, even people of faith, like us, can find fear bubbling to the surface. Fear is a natural reaction when we feel as if our lives might be on the line. And yet fear so often carries a cost. And we see this play out in the life of Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. In his moment of greatest personal failure, Peter denies any connection with Christ at all. And why does he do that? Because of fear. Fear drives Peter to betray his friendship with Jesus and his faith in Jesus. And that betrayal leaves a deep wound in Peter's soul because fear-driven betrayal always carries a cost. Peter's betrayal of Jesus is one of the more painful stories in the Bible, but God has given it to us for our encouragement. God wants us to learn and remember so we will not make the same mistake Peter did. And now, more than ever, this is a time when you and I need to embrace the lesson of this story. It's a story in three parts. Part one takes place at a Passover meal. 
We call it the Last Supper because it's the final meal Jesus will have with his closest friends. And during this meal, Jesus predicts that Peter and the other disciples will betray him. Listen to this conversation from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Peter knows it's not wise to argue with Jesus. After all, when Jesus says something will happen, it's going to happen. Unless, unless we make intentional changes in response. So you know what Peter should have done? He should have said, Jesus, how can I prevent that betrayal from happening? And Jesus would have told him because Jesus, lo Jesus loves it when we ask him for help. However, that would have required some humility. So instead, Peter protests with a bold and proud response. And so here in part one, Peter does not listen to Jesus. And he does not ask for advice about how to change. Peter is setting himself up for failure. Nevertheless, Jesus gives Peter another chance when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. That's part two of the story. Listen to Matthew 26, verses 39 to 41. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is about to face several hours of deceit, betrayal, and abuse. He will be shamefully and painfully crucified. However, he is prepared for everything that comes his way because here in the garden, he took time to pray. Jesus poured out his heart to God and he allowed the Heavenly Father to reassure him. And Peter, Peter also had the opportunity to pray, but instead he took a nap. Physical rest is important, but there's a time for sleep and a time for prayer. Jesus told Peter that a time of testing was coming, so clearly this moment cried out for prayer. Yet Peter ignored Jesus' advice. So part two of this story reveals that by choosing not to pray, Peter is unprepared for his coming moment of temptation. And this scene of Peter's story is so relevant for us right now. 
because of the coronavirus. We are in a moment of great testing and temptation. And many of us, like Peter, are unprepared. Why is that? Because so often we try to fortify ourselves against danger or difficulty on our own terms rather than God's terms. We place greater importance on the physical dimension of life than the spiritual. So we react with fear and we hoard food and we hoard toilet paper. We listen to alarmist, unverified news reports and we spread them on social media and we help inflame the panic. And yet, no physical action will protect our mind and our heart and our soul against fear. Only faith can do that. Faith that God is in control particularly when events are beyond our control. And we nurture our faith through prayer because prayer connects us with God. Prayer reminds us that God is with us. Prayer reminds us that God is watching over us. And prayer kindles within us the peace of God that passes all understanding. Prayer helps us look beyond our current circumstances and reminds us to live with an eternal perspective. Prayer is our weapon, and prayer is our armor. Prayer prepares us to confront fearful situations and never betray our trust in Jesus. We can be prepared. Tragically, Peter was not because he failed to pray because of his lack of preparation, it leads to the painful conclusion that we encounter in part three of this story. Let's listen to Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. At the end of the prayer time there in the garden, Jesus is arrested by a mob, and, and as he's led away, all of the disciples flee in fear. All of them! Not one of them remains by his side despite their claims of loyalty. Jesus then is taken to the house of the Jewish high priest where a trial is being conducted. It's an unofficial, illegitimate trial where the religious leaders are trying to find a reason, any reason, to execute Jesus who they view as a troublemaker. Some of the mob who arrested Jesus are waiting outside the priest's house there in the courtyard and and they build a fire, and servants bring them refreshments. Peter has tagged along, trying to make himself inconspicuous in the crowd. 
So he joins them and he sits quietly by the fire and he waits to see what will happen to Jesus. But then some people recognize him. And as we heard, they begin to confront him and he starts to get scared. It's one thing to tell Jesus, I won't betray you when you're comfortably seated at dinner. It's another thing to stand by Jesus when you face people who are out for blood. Peter doesn't, doesn't want to be arrested or, or beaten or executed. And these are very real possibilities and they feed Peter's growing sense of fear. A fear he is unprepared to face. And so, as he is confronted again and again and again, his de denials grow more and more emphatic. He grows more heated. He grows more angry. He makes an oath, which is like saying, so help me God, I don't know this guy, Jesus. He, he even calls down curses on himself, which is like saying, may God curse me if what I'm saying is not true. Oh, oh, the cost to our soul is huge when we hear ourselves speak words that we know are false. Peter must be dying inside as he listens to himself, and yet at this moment he doesn't care. He is so consumed by fear that he's, he seems willing to say or do anything. Yet with each denial, he betrays himself. With each denial, he betrays his own beliefs. With each denial, he betrays his friendship with Jesus and his trust in Jesus. And the stark truth of his betrayal hits home after his third denial. Because then he hears the rooster crow. Everything has come true exactly as Jesus predicted. It happened as a natural result of blind, unreasoning panic. Is it any, any surprise that Peter weeps bitterly? He's devastated because he realizes what it has cost him to give way to fear. That's the painful lesson of part three. As we consider all three parts of this story, Peter's path to failure is clear. He doesn't listen to Jesus. He doesn't pray and arm himself against temptation. And as a result, he lets himself be conquered by fear. God shows us a better way. There are more than 500 passages in the Bible that talk about the reality of fear, yet God never urges us to give in to it. Instead, his consistent message to his children is this, we do not need to yield to fear. Why? Because, as we read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, God's perfect love can drive away all our fears. Let me say that again. God's perfect love can drive away all our fears. That is His promise. So fear and panic can fade away, and they will fade away if we keep our eyes on Jesus. But if we shift our gaze, if we allow ourselves to be consumed by our own immediate circumstances like Peter did, that's when we will give way to fear.
Peter's tragic story reminds us to listen to Jesus. To be willing to humble ourselves and ask Him for advice. To pray. And then pray some more. And then when we do this, we will be equipped to trust Him even when the world around us is going crazy. When you and I listen and pray and trust, then we never, we never will be conquered by fear. God's invitation to us is this. Spend some time in prayer this morning and let Him prepare us for whatever comes next.